No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Eliphaz accuses Job of being full of wind and thinking that he knows more than they do. He instructs Job on the final end of the wicked. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 15 on Simply the Bible. Like a boxer heading into the rink for a second round, so Job must now suffer a second round of blows from his so-called friends. The accusations Job's friends make become increasingly hostile and desperate. They must prove themselves right and Job wrong. They must convince Job that he is not blameless. He is only getting the evil he deserves. We continue in Job chapter 15. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Should a wise man answer with empty knowledge and fill himself with the east wind? Should he reason with unprofitable talk or by speeches with which he can do no good? First, Eliphaz accuses Job of being nothing but a windbag. He is engaged in unprofitable talk, like old men talking politics for hours at a coffee shop. In the end, his speeches will do no good. Yes, you cast off fear and restrain prayer before God. Second, Eliphaz accuses Job of casting off the fear of the Lord, which means casting off all moral restraint and hindering prayers made to God. Eliphaz is saying that Job's words are worse than being mere wind. They are subversive and destructive. For your iniquity teaches your mouth, and you choose the tongue of the crafty. Your own mouth condemns you, and not I. Yes, your own lips testify against you. Third, Eliphaz accuses Job of concealing the iniquity of his own heart. Job is making these elaborate speeches because he is hiding his guilt. Although Eliphaz has not observed Job sinning, Job's words betray the iniquity that dwells in his own heart. Now, we must understand what Job is proposing to his three friends if we are to understand their hostile responses. Job claims that innocent people suffer and guilty people go unpunished. This flies in the face of everything they've been taught. In their minds, it subverts the reason for religion. Why should people seek to be righteous if it doesn't lead to prosperity? And if good people suffer, then why be good? And if bad people go unpunished, well, then why not be immoral? Why not eat, drink, and be merry? Therefore, Job's friends vehemently defend their religion of self-righteousness. It is a graceless religion, but it is what they understand and what they have structured their lives after. The scary thing to Job's friends is that if Job is truly innocent and he suffered like this, then they could also suffer the loss of everything as Job did. This thought they cannot endure. To them, it would mean that chaos reigns and there is no benefit to religion. This is the same attack that the Pharisees 
brought against Jesus. He challenged the religion of self-righteousness by healing on the Sabbath, forgiving sinners, and teaching that God desires mercy, not sacrifice. His very agony on the cross proved to them that they were right and Jesus was wrong. Jesus claimed to be innocent, the Christ and the Son of God. They accused him of blasphemy and being an imposter. There was no room in their religion for the innocent one to suffer, nor was there room for the guilty one to be justified because the innocent one suffered. In short, they had a graceless religion, like the religion of Job's three friends. They vehemently defended it because if they didn't, then it would prove that their theology and their worldview were dead wrong. Now, this is the same hostility that exists in the world today, wherever the gospel of grace is preached and lived out. The religious establishment will fight tooth and nail against Christians because the teaching of grace and the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ subverts their religion of self-righteousness and their authority. Understanding the nature of this age-old conflict gives us ultimate insight into why Job suffered so much, even though he was a blameless man who feared God. Job's life glorified God and testified to the innocent one who would suffer for the sins of mankind. Job points to the only righteousness that enters heaven, the perfect righteousness given to the unworthy sinner who believes in Jesus Christ. Job was an early billboard for the gospel of grace. Verse 7. Are you the first man who was born? Or were you made before the hills? Have you heard the counsel of God? Do you limit wisdom to yourself? What do you know that we do not know? What do you understand that is not in us? Because Job's words are such a radical departure from their system of religion, Eliphaz says to him, What do you know that we don't know? Were you around before God made the hills? Did you listen to his secret counsels? Both the gray-haired and the aged are among us, much older than your father. Eliphaz resorts to the wisdom of the ancient ones as his defense. He has the knowledge of gray-haired men on his side. Job is the one who is bringing these radical new teachings to the table. This was a strong argument, especially in that culture that highly revered the counsel of the elders. Are the consolations of God too small for you, and the words spoken gently with you? Why does your heart carry you away, and what do your eyes wink at, that you turn your spirit against God and let such words go out of your mouth? Now, in his first speech, Eliphaz had been gentle with Job, at least at first. He appealed to Job with consolations. He sought to turn Job away from his sins to trusting God. But he could see that his words had gotten nowhere with Job. Job continued to justify himself, saying that he had been blameless. Eliphaz now accuses Job of being carried away by the deceitfulness of his own heart. Job is turning a blind eye to his own sins and speaking out against God. Eliphaz feels that it is his responsibility to defend God and God's reputation. But later, God will rebuke Eliphaz for not speaking rightly about him as his servant Job had done. Proverbs 21.2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. 
verse 14. What is man that he could be pure, and he who is born of a woman that he could be righteous? If God puts no trust in his saints, and the heavens are not pure in his sight, how much less man who is abominable and filthy, who drinks iniquity like water? Eliphaz takes issue with Job's comment that he has been blameless. But even God said as much on two occasions. As we have said earlier, being blameless means having integrity, being the same on the inside as you appear to others on the outside. That's different from being pure and sinless. Now, even Job acknowledged that no one can be sinless. He said in Job 9.2, but how can a man be righteous before God? While Job was certainly not sinless, it was a low blow for Eliphaz to say that Job was abominable, filthy, and drinking in iniquity like water. Furthermore, Eliphaz had no evidence to back these heinous charges that he was making against his friend. I will tell you, hear me, what I have seen, I will declare, what wise men have told, not hiding anything received from their fathers, to whom alone the land was given, and no alien passed among them. Eliphaz would declare to Job the wisdom passed down from generations before some alien brought strange, new, and subversive doctrines. What Eliphaz does next is to give Job the illustration of a wicked man. This sounds so much like Job that we must conclude Eliphaz is saying that Job is the wicked man. The wicked man writhes with pain all his days, and the number of years is hidden from the oppressor. So the wicked man's days are lived in pain, and his days are cut short. Dreadful sounds are in his ears. In prosperity, the destroyer comes upon him. Dreadful sounds are in his ears when he hears of the loss of his prosperity. Now, certainly this must have reminded Job about the day he was told that he had lost all his livestock, his servants, and his children. He does not believe that he will return from darkness, for a sword is waiting for him. He wanders about for bread, saying, where is it? He knows that a day of darkness is ready at his hand. Trouble and anguish make him afraid. They overpower him like a king ready for battle. Job had been speaking about going to the land of darkness, from which a man never returns. In fact, Job wanted God to take his life. Now Eliphaz says that the wicked man doesn't believe he will ever return from darkness. He knows his day of darkness is at hand, and he's overcome by trouble and anguish. Sound familiar? For he stretches out his hand against God and acts defiantly against the Almighty, running stubbornly against him with his strong embossed shield. Eliphaz was shocked that Job would dare to argue his case before God as though he could go with God to court. Who was Job to challenge God anyway? Eliphaz saw this as the sure sign that Job was unrighteous. He was shaking his fist at God. Though he has covered his face with his fatness and made his waist heavy with fat, he dwells in desolate cities, in houses which no one inhabits, which are destined to become ruins. Although the wicked man indulges himself, he becomes fat on his wealth, his house will be ruined. He will not be rich, nor will his wealth continue, nor will his possessions overspread the earth. Certainly Job's wealth had come to nothing. Evidently God was not blessing him. 
those who preach a health and wealth doctrine would feel right at home with Eliphaz. But how is it that Christ died poor, along with so many martyrs throughout the ages? Verse 30, He will not depart from darkness. The flame will dry out his branches, and by the breath of his mouth he will go away. So the wicked man is destined for everlasting darkness. He will be carried away to the flames with his dying breath. Let him not trust in futile things, deceiving himself, for futility will be his reward. It will be accomplished before his time, and his branch will not be green. He will shake off his unripe grape like a vine and cast off his blossom like an olive tree. For the company of hypocrites will be barren and fire will consume the tents of bribery. They conceive trouble and bring forth futility. Their womb prepares deceit. Eliphaz insinuates that Job has trusted in futile things and is self-deceived. His life will be fruitless and he will give birth to nothing but futility. He will find himself in the company of the hypocrites. With friends like this, who needs enemies? This age-old conflict continues between those who cling to a religion of self-righteousness and those who cling to the cross of Jesus Christ, where they find the gospel of grace. Job's life shows us that an innocent man can suffer, and because one innocent son of man suffered on the cross for us, we can all be justified. Yes, the innocent suffers, and the wicked are justified. Welcome to the Gospel of Grace. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see where Job accuses his friends of being miserable comforters. He laments over the fact that God has delivered him to the ungodly, and there is nothing he can do about it. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.